Hello, everyone. My name is Marina, and this is Tribecast episode eight. Let me remind you that Tribecast is an independent media powered by Tribe Tamper community. And you know what else is organized by Tribe Tamper family? It's the event that rocked Pakahuani in Tampere, 6th of March. It's Tribex. Tribex and Startup World Cup are the topics I would like to discuss with my guests this week. However, there are lots of other things we have talked about this week. Today you'll hear the interview with Rain Lamberpu, who was one of the speakers during Tribex, followed by interviews with Eran Yarconi and representatives of Layet, Kristina Atsinki and Juho Arnen. Let's get started. This week we're having a very special guest, just fresh from the stage, still maybe feeling the microphone in his hands. <laughs> Hello, Rain. Thank you very much for having this interview with me today. Can I ask you to tell a few things about your background? Yes, for sure. Good to be here. Yes, first of all, I'm uh, Rain Lemberbu, and I'm from Estonia, I'm based in Tartu. I've lived all all my life in, in Tartu, and I, I find this very fascinating to actually run um, many projects, not from the capital, but you know, having a little bit detached view because of, of the location. If I would say a few words about my background, I think obviously first things that come to my mind is the being an entrepreneur. I think I've been part of 20 plus companies and organizations. I am mostly being the leader of the organizations, you know, either CEO or leading the NGOs and, and, and so on. And um, the connection with the startup ecosystem actually started once we built two hubs in Tartu for for you know renting office space co-working space event space and everything which led to angel investments and and so on I know that you're also part correct me if I'm wrong you're also part of the organization called SBAN Yes, uh, I've been uh, SBAN uh, board member and president for, for a couple of years now and uh, Esban is an Estonian business angel association, meaning that actually it's just a group of angels, a network of 125 angels looking for find good deals. If I understand the idea of Esban right, it means that early stage startup or not that early stage startup can turn to your organization and say like, hey, I have this idea, can you sponsor me? Can you invest in me? Basically, yes. Obviously, actually, angels... Um, are not the first, you know, not necessarily the first money to company. You know, there's this triple F round usually called that goes before, which means that also Estonian uh, angels are no no exception. They would like to see some MEP or something ready. So it's not just an idea or you have some first customers or something, something going on and you have you, you have a team, you know, there are people fully committed or... If it's just uh, one person and the idea, it's uh, a little bit too early. In your experience, like how long time does it take for a startup to be ready to turn to investors? Well, that's there is no general rule. Mm -hmm. Obviously, first of all, if you already have startup experience before, I've seen uh, startups in Estonia who just put together a pitch deck and then raised two million. But this is because... They were the you know uh, ex CEO of of Skype, 
Okay, so they they have the experience. So there's a meaning that it doesn't necessarily have to start same way for for everyone. But if it's a really fresh team and having their first startup and don't have the background uh, knowledge and haven't worked in startup before that, then I think it takes about a year. If you have been in the ecosystem, either part of some other startup, you can also you can count months before you get something investment ready. But also there's the other extreme people who bootstrap for seven years. Then take off, and we have an excellent startup in, in Estonia, which started this way. Yeah, Toggle is a classical story of bootstrapping, and they did it for five, seven years before they actually crossed the you know ten million in, in revenue benchmark. But now they already have made three companies the same way, you know, without using any capital actually. That's impressive. How would you generally comment on the current situation of Estonian startup ecosystem? I think it's booming. That's you know, you have to pick one word. There, there are more founders. There are more more ideas. You know, going on in the market. The, the amount of events dedicated for startups is the biggest. Last year was the record year for investment side. I think it's becoming more popular. And how is it different, or is it not different at all from Finnish startup ecosystem? I think these two ecosystems pretty similar actually. You know, there's, there's just a difference in size. And uh, obviously, Finnish ecosystem is um, is much more mature in, in many senses, especially uh, from the capital market view. But if I would think about what's different, I think one of the things which is different is the founders in Estonia don't have um, this kind of sense of security, meaning that uh, there is very little kind of public money available for you know you, you know grant based equity free money that you can use investors also would like you to see that you have some paying customers and uh, so they they are kind of really forced they want trying to having to sell and they, there's no time to waste in a sense that you, you it's not that okay i got this grant for 100k i can you know maybe try some experiments with the product uh, side and and so on i think that that kind of one differentiator and obviously the second one big one is that the Estonian market is non-existing for startups that they need to go out day one so that you can start you know in estonia and then I will go to Germany. So if if you really want to do something, then you need to go to Germany first. So did I get you right that you believe that Finnish startups can start in Finland and then just like work inside the country? There's more opportunities for that. Obviously, still quite many Estonian startups do the same. You, you do the local market, you try try out the, the but the pressure to go out is is actually from day one. Okay, and speaking of events, Tribex kind of officially ended or proceeded into the Silicon Viking Startup World Cup, so we can start summarizing something. What are your feelings about Tribex? How was the event? Yeah, it was quick. <laughs> <laughs> I just got used to the uh, that. Okay, now we start. We will have an event, and in you know, especially because I was also speaking two times. Uh, then uh, for me, it, it's quicker than actually being you know in the audience and, and seeing that side and i think it's like a classical startup event and it's it's kind of feels to me that this is you know a necessary groundwork in a sense that you need to have these types of that type of events to actually you know build something that over time becomes bigger and bigger and bigger i was thinking that it's bigger event mm-hmm. because compared to tartu uh, tamper is twice the size of tartu mm-hmm. 
So I thought maybe the, the audience will be also twice the size of this type of event, but it's actually quite the same. Have you been present during Tartu Startup Day? Yes, yes. Okay, and you mean that uh, the audience there was twice bigger than today? No, Startup Day is completely from a different scale event. It's almost okay. 4,000 people. Okay. But I'm talking about kind of community events that we do locally. No, mm -hmm. event that is not meant to attract people from Latvia or Tallinn or Finland. Right. And what shall we expect in your opinion from Startup World Cup, which is ongoing now? I have no experience with uh, with Startup World Cup. Uh, I've seen a lot of pitching competitions. So um, I think the main idea for any startup to think about if they go to a pitch competition or pitching event is the publicity, obviously. Mm -hmm. But you also need to take into account that usually it's the top three or, or five will get most of the attention and the rest is pretty difficult to get, get themselves to the picture. And speaking of pitching, when investors are looking on a startup, pitching their ideas to them, what are they looking at? How do you stand out of the crowd and get the money? I think it's a very difficult question to just kind of summarize it. First of all, it depends if what do you have unique in your, you know, sometimes you, you have a unique business model. Sometimes you have unique team, you know, configuration. Sometimes there is a unique technical solution that you are, uh, you know, you, you need to have something that uh, kind of catches the eye of the investor or, or the, the ear of the investor. And, uh, and, and it's different for uh, everyone. Sometimes it's just the CEO or the one who is doing the pitching, you know, the co-founder who is taking on the you know, fundraising side of, this, uh, of the equation. And, but there needs to be something. And I think for me personally, I'm really interested how much this person is, is connected to, to two extremes. From one end, I'm interested in how, how much they are grounded in reality. Because, you know, all startups start up in the bubble and they don't, you know, they think everything is easy breezy and, you know, you just... In utopia. Yes, in, in somewhere, you know, in, in dream world. But the other extreme is that they still need to have a vision that goes beyond this uh, current reality. So that you need to be rooted in the current reality, but you need to be visioning to the future what is the potential, you know, what this idea can grow into. And uh, the better you are kind of rooted in the current reality and the longer view you have uh, in the future, that's something I'm looking forward because sometimes, you know, people are either lacking one end or the other end or both ends. Then it's pretty difficult to understand. It becomes an average in my eye. And in your opinion, what is the biggest challenge for an early stage startup? What stops them from becoming big and successful? Every startup stage has their own challenges. But I think if we would really take from day one, then the first challenge is obviously getting the team to work together and even getting the team committed. Because usually, you know, there is a good idea and then you find a couple of people who like the idea. And um, But this doesn't mean that they are actually ready to go in full time. And working out all this relationship with whom how and when and are they willing to commit and how, uh, you know, all those kind of formation of the team is the first crucial thing. I think there's a lot of startups that actually fail 
even you know getting this team together and co- all, all fully committed in Estonia we run uh, a lot of hackathons there's garage four days running like uh, tens hackathons uh, almost like maybe even more than 100 in a year uh, not only in Estonia but also many many other countries and uh, I've been working with them also o- over the years and uh, what I see is that the teams that you know actually get formed in those events and uh, there is like a gap before they uh, this actually turns into a startup even though they did extremely well in the hackathon the idea was good you know maybe one day hackathon this doesn't guarantee anything because now it only the struggle to form a team only starts speaking of teams and their formation did i get you right that you believe in diversity team in a sense that it's good to have team consisting of different nationalities Eventually, yes, but I would be careful in terms of diversity. I, I'm, I'm saying that uh, diversity is like a double-edged sword, meaning that in, on one hand, it definitely you know, makes a team uh, stronger. But on the other side, it's also bringing extra challenges, meaning that you will, you know, there is uh, extra energy that has to be spent on maintaining those relationships. So actually, I would say that maybe the first three members of, of, of a team don't need to be that diverse, okay? And then you can bring more diversity in because if you bring very different people and from different nationalities, I'm pretty sure this team will die before they get to this, um, you know, work out all the, you know, way of operating together. Or maybe you need an intercultural specialist who will just, you know, cooperate yes. and manage yeah. all the communication. Usually this means that uh, you need to have it in-house. Then then someone has to be working in that kind of environment that knows how to do that. Uh, otherwise, it's pretty much a struggle, even if it's like, the, you know, if the people kind of know each other and uh, have, are, you know, are more similar, even then uh, the capabilities of leadership people don't have when they are born so they, they you need to develop those so if it's if it's your first team you're you know managing then you need to learn from scratch and that and it's a pretty difficult road actually okay how did you learn it learning by doing so yes it was i think i started also in a, as a developer and i think then in a year's time i started to manage a team of nine people This team grew to 30 people. And then obviously the company was really, really growing fast. And a year later already, I was managing three uh, department with three teams, mm-hmm. uh, 70-something people. Mm-hmm. And this grew to 350 people organization eventually. So that's kind of uh, you know where I learned all those uh, different skills required to actually manage different size of and the difference kind of configuration of teams as well. Okay, I got your point and thank you very much for being with us today and hope you enjoy the rest of the networking, speaking and general everything which is the Startup World Cup. Thank you for inviting. And today we're having Kristina Atsinki and Juho Aronin from Layet. Hello and please present yourself to our listeners. Hi, I'm Kristina Atsinki and I'm the COO of Layet and the background. Well, I'm a mother of four. I've done my studies in, in music and cultural field mostly and ended up working in a startup company like two years ago. I've really enjoyed the ride and yeah, I, but I still do love music. And I'm Juho 
Aronen and I'm the co-founder of Layet. And what is Layet? What are you doing? What is Layet? Well, that is a good fundamental question and uh, we have been trying to figure out that for the last four and a half years. Layet basically is a startup company that is taking the Finnish maternity care information and uh, sharing it with the rest of the world. Finland has the number one best maternity care information in the world. Same like education, basically. And in, in education side, there is the export value is 350 million euros per year. On the other hand, okay, we have the best maternity information in the world, but uh, nobody is exporting it. The value is near zero. And we are here to change that. Yeah, can I add something to that? Yeah, and as a first implementation of the, you know, how we're going to take it abroad is a mobile app. So basically a pregnancy app or as a, in where we are heading to Japan next. And there we, it's called Neuvola app, since they use the word Neuvola there as well, because they've been benchmarking Finland. So basically we provide that information and also that sort of the idea how it's done in Finland so that the whole family is involved and also the you know the fathers and the, the support system it goes all the way from the beginning of pregnancy until the toddler's age of you know well school school years basically so that's what we're doing at the moment so we have a pregnancy app and also we're looking into sort of broaden it a bit and and come up with um clinic certifications and that sort of thing so it's not just the sort of a idea of the knowledge but we actually have like concrete things that we are doing so if i got it right the app is providing the info of how the baby is developing during pregnancy yes so you can follow the fetus growing like week by week you you find the information but of course there's it's not just about how the fetus is growing but it's all about the changes and uh, the mindset has to change also because you're becoming a parent so there's all sort of information that uh, we provide to support you in that journey towards being a parent becoming a family with a new member and actually it's just not during the pregnancy but also during the the toddler years and as the family grows and the health is maternity information is very sensitive and personal Could you comment on the security issues of your app? Well, actually, yeah, of course, we have taken care of the, you know, the GDPR things as they are supposed to be. So we only collect the data that we need in the name of sort of providing you all the service. But we don't collect the data so that we can identify people from there. So it's anonymous data. You said that the startup is quite young. It's two year old. So you still have to remember that. Was it easy to start a business? Well, the startup is actually four and a half years old. Has it been easy? The simple answer is no. There, is, there has been not one part on this business that has been easy, I would say. It's a thousands and thousands of hours of free work. What goes into this is just pure madness. If somebody would ask, like, uh, just tell us beforehand that this is how much work it takes... And you have to do it for free. And not only for free, but you actually have to invest your own money. And you have to, you know, give those signatures to banks to get some loan. It is madness. But the only way that, you know, keeps to wake you up in the morning 
is just the pure fact that you believe in the better future. You really, really try to change the world. And in, in making of changing the world, you actually make something good for them and something for yourself. Hopefully some money in the end of the day. Got you. If you have to choose one main challenge for an early stage startup, what was it? I would like to say that, you know, like the easiest answer for that would be raising capital. Get investors excited. and But work-wise, that has not been the greatest challenge. The greatest challenge is to create a physical mobile app. Because that's what we have done for a half years. But it's more sexy to say that finding investors is always challenging. Let's now go to the positive side. What is the coolest thing in working in a startup, in your opinion? Well, the coolest thing about working for a startup, well, at least in our team, working as a team, it's That's it's true. the best. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah, best yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah, because like I have been in so many working environments. You know, like everybody says that their their team is like their family. In my case, that's literally what it is because, you know, our CEO is my sister, Sini, and Christina I have known since childhood. Well, it always goes there. We, we have a saying that in the office of Lay, it's always Friday. Our weird combination of people. There is uh, there is basically our CEO Cini. There is there is me. I'm the CDO. I don't even know what that means. And we are co-founders with Cini. Then we have Christina, our COO. Some CTO. CTO. He, he's yeah. Taking care of the technical stuff and also financials. He's our Raha Sampo, who makes sure that there is more money coming in than going out. And then our software developer, Mr. Superman. Petri. Petri, he makes the physical app coding. Plus, we have our lady Japan. Yes, we have Ami Nakamura now helping us with the Japanese markets. For the past year, we've been trying to approach the, the Japanese market. And finally, it seems that we're taking some actual steps towards it. So just came back from Japan last Saturday and going back next Sunday. So pretty hectic at the moment. And we're going to, there's going to be a grand finale for entity data innovation contest global innovation contest even and uh, yeah we got to the final so it's going to be me pitching exactly yeah no yeah. they were searching hot startups from 20 different countries which finland is obviously the one and we won we got selected the hottest startup in finland and now there will be the finals in japan tokyo yeah, the 13th of march good luck with that and i'll have my fingers crossed for you and definitely talking to the hottest startup in finland has made my morning since we've started discussing competitions. What are your expectations about Tribex and Startup World Cup? Well, these events, they are always very good for networking. And also we have the round open now still, the first round. So we are looking into, you know, maybe finding some interesting investor contacts also. The whole startup thing, it's all about networks. It's all about who you know, who who knows then someone else and introduces you and That's just how it goes. And so you really have to come to these events and make the most of it and not just drink the wine. But what is wrong with drinking wine? Come no, on. Not by yourself. If you, if you have ah, a drink with someone, you, ah, that might that's actually a good you point. Know, go yeah. somewhere. Yeah, to yeah. Get, gain some benefits. Yeah. Okay, and now I have a question about networking. On the one hand, it is believed that it is very important in Finnish business world. On the other, the stereotypes are that Finnish people are not very sociable. So how should foreigners hack into the Finnish market then? I think we are an exception for that. Our we team. Are we are definite, yeah. Our team is exception, definitely, yeah. uh, for the traditional 
It was it was move. probably something we had in our childhood because because yeah. we are not sort of quiet Finnish people. You know, it's always then good to maybe hang out with someone who is more sort of outgoing and chatty, and and they will then do the the intro. So yeah, but the thing is, just get involved, even though. It might feel hard to start with. Just start somewhere. Talk to one person and then the next event, talk to two maybe. And then it sort of winds up. And to talk to people, does one obligatory need Finnish in Finland nowadays? Well, I think everything is now in English, basically. Like the the whole startup uh, scene is is in English at the moment. And well, I just found myself in a position that I, I actually should speak Japanese to, you know, <laughs> to be more involved with the things that are happening now in our business in Japan. But in Finland, I think it's totally fine if you're fluent in English. I agree. You definitely don't have to speak Finnish in order to move here and start working here or set up your business here. I actually live in Dubai and I have lived there for 10 years and there is 200 nationalities. And every time, every day I get asked, where are you from? I'm from Finland. And the number one is like, whoa, I love that place. I went there once and and I went to some meeting or bar or event and like everybody was talking to me. We think, we in Finland, we think that it's a, like really uh, close... Uh, Um, yeah, so basically, well, when people come to Finland, they tell me that this is very, very welcoming scene. That they were scared to come here, like, you know, maybe I need to speak Finland, or maybe they're really, like, shy. and Because this is the illusion that is about Finnish people. But it's actually 100% opposite. Everybody here speaks English, and they're very welcoming. It, last week I was dealing with, with one Indian guy, and he said that Finland is the least racist place he has ever visited in his life. Generally, do you think it's a good time to start a business of your own? I cannot tell you anything about world economy because I I literally don't know anything about that. But what I can tell you that, you know, if you have an idea and you are passionate about it, make a prototype and you show it to the investors, if they get excited, that's the right time to set up a business. No, I, I totally agree. That's exactly what I was going to say that, you know, there isn't probably a right time to come up with a company or but there's always a right time to come up with good ideas and just go forth with it if if that's what you want to do. Thank you. That was Christina and Juha from Laet. And now let's move to the next interview of this week. Hello, Aaron. Thanks for having time for an interview today. And please tell us a few things about your background. Hi, okay. Uh, my name is uh, Aaron Yerkoni. I'm a serial entrepreneur and venture capital investor based in Israel. Okay. And what did bring you to Finland today, Aaron? I was invited to speak in this conference at the tribe and uh, I was asked to talk about my experience in fundraising and in investment in, in startups in Israel. And since I've been here before and really like the people and the country, I was glad to accept. So as far as I understood, the topics of your today presentation was investing in investors. If I wrote it down right, you said that in order to raise money, you need to understand investors. Hence, my question is, how do you classify the investors? Different investors have play a role at different stages of, of, of your company. There are friends and family who invest in very early stage. Then there are angels who come right behind them and invest even before you have a product. And then there are institutional investors who would usually get in once you have a product and some customer traction. Speaking about investments today, you also classified investors according to what do they love. Do they love you? Do they love your product? Do they love money you make? You know, I always had a feeling that in business life, 
love and other feelings do not really match. Do you think that there is place for feelings when you talk about money and business? Of course. I mean, uh, people people are supposed to make rational decisions, but in many cases they make uh, emotional decisions because if they attach to something, that's that's important. Besides, if people love money, they're looking for something that you know would they believe would make the money okay so and if you raise money from friends and family they uh, would invest in you because they love you and they think you're you're the best and uh, uh, they would like to help you and hopefully make some money uh, on the way so yeah different different investors have different motivations how would you recommend for early stage startups to connect with investors what are the tricks to find an investor for a startup right so as i mentioned in in the presentation venture funds accept hundreds of business plans every week. So they have no way of, you know, seriously considering all of them. So they would naturally prioritize people who approach them through uh, reliable sources. So if someone they know tells them this is interesting, they would look at it more seriously than than a cold call. Okay, so if you want to have a good chance of getting a response from an investor, you better approach them through someone they know and, and trust. So networking. Networking is everything, yes, definitely. Speaking of networking, like this is pretty much first thing everybody speaks in Finland nowadays of when we talk about startup. It's like a synonym, startup life, networking. Do you see any similarities between Israeli and Finnish startup ecosystem? First, I, I think there's a lot of similarity between the nations other than weather, probably. <laughs> But we both are small nations. Israel is slightly larger than, than Finland, but also, you know, less than 10 million people. We have our unique language just like you do. So our local markets are very small, which means that startup companies, to succeed, they have to think about going outside, going international from the beginning. Unlike like an American startup or a Chinese startup, they can grow very large in their own country. In Israel or in Finland, you have to think global from day one, which is which is a big advantage. And what are the differences, in your opinion, between Finnish and Israeli startup ecosystems? Yeah, I think the Israeli startup ecosystem is more developed because it all started maybe 20 years before it started here in Finland. So uh, we have about 6,000 active startups, funded startups, and, and that's probably a larger number than, than here in Finland. But I think the people are you know, very similar in many ways. And I, I think the opportunities that Finland is facing are, are great. Uh, you have uh, the best uh, education system in the world and great people. And uh, I think it's only a matter of time until more and more Finnish people realize that, you know, high tech is a very promising uh, career and they should do that. Okay. In your presentation, you, you also had a couple of slides about financial risks that For investors, they are quite high. And for me, as a non-financial person, could you please explain, is it possible to actually estimate the risk when you're investing your money? Or is it more of a gambling? Like, okay, I have this sum, I get it, and then I look, what, what is it? I know the question might sound stupid, but I'm actually curious and I know not that much about it. The question is not stupid at all. I think the answer is more stupid than the question. It's very difficult to say for sure you, you never know, but you can you can look at startups and say what, what their potential is. Okay, is it going to be a billion does it have the potential to be a billion dollar company or not? Whether it's gonna happen, it's difficult to tell. And in reality VCs lose money on most of their investments and only make 
a lot of money on very few percentage of their investments. So if they invest in 10 companies, maybe all the return comes from two companies, the other eight would either break even or, or lose money. Still, I think that there are better funds than other and some funds are making a lot of money and most funds are losing money so it's experience and uh, you know the smartest vcs are doing better and when deciding where to invest what are investors looking for in a startup how do they estimate the startups so again investors are looking for startups that have very big potential mm -hmm. that uh, ideally a startup that has a potential to uh, for a billion dollar exit Uh, only a few actually achieve that, but you need to show, they need to look at the market and say, okay, this market that the company is targeting is big enough and is growing fast enough that there is a potential for a billion dollar exit. Uh, then they look at, at the team and want to be satisfied that this is an experienced team or a, a talented team or a team that can actually address all the challenges and, and be successful. And then technology, a strong technology would be a good barrier to entry or I, I call it uh, an unfair advantage that a startup may have against other competitors. So if you have a very strong technology, it would be difficult to compete with you. Since we figure out that Finnish and Israeli startup ecosystems are quite similar, then you can just talk on behalf of both. What are the main challenges an early-stage startup faces nowadays? What stops them from becoming big and successful? Okay, to grow, startups need money. To raise money, they need to show that they're they're growing. So it's it's kind of a chicken and egg problem where investors say we're only going to invest when you show us that you grow, but in order to grow, you need to have money. So the more you can do by bootstrapping, by uh, the more you can grow before you start raising money, the more chances you have to actually raise money and, and grow even even more. The catch is how do you do this with a very limited amount of money, maybe money that you borrowed or, or took from friends, family, and your own money. And the most successful startups are those that can actually uh, show some traction, and then they can raise money and grow faster. Okay, thank you very much. That was Aaron Yarconi, and now we invite everybody to the Startup World Cup. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you very much. This was Tribecast, episode 8, and my name is Marina. Tribex has ended. The winner of Startup World Cup, Finos, might be already packing up for the European finals. Silence and peace, you say. But if I find my glasses, I can spot something sparkling on the horizon. Oh, that's Stream Festival, where we'll meet in October. You know, Aaron Yarconi has started consulting Layette after their meeting during one of the previous Stream Festivals, which sounds like one more reason for any startup to buy a ticket to Stream 2019. And I'll for sure do my best to cover the preparations and the event itself via interviews. By the way... Who would you like to hear in the next episodes? Leave your answers in Facebook or YouTube comments. And now I wish you a great weekend. Stay warm and tuned. <laughs>